Hello and welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Investing Club, the place investors go to gain actionable advice, learn about current market trends, and hear war stories from other professional investors out there in the field today. Before we get started, I have two quick housekeeping items to cover. First, if you like the episode, we would very much appreciate a like, subscribe, and share. It is the best way to support the show and keep it running. Second, if you are a new investor looking to get started in real estate or an experienced investor looking to take your investing to the next level, we created an ebook for you that will cover how to find deals that are actually deals, how to finance those deals with little to no money down, and how to exit those deals for maximum value. On top of that, I throw in an insane amount of free bonuses that you'll have access to once you buy the ebook. All we charge is our admin cost to keep the show running. So, if you're serious about real estate investing and want to create both active and passive income as an investor, head on over to the website at therealestateinvestingclub.com and click on the button that says get the ebook to grab yourself a copy today. So with that said, let's dive right in. Today we have a very special guest with us ready to drop some investor knowledge on you. So buckle up, grab your pen and paper and enjoy the ride. Right. Welcome back to another episode of the Real Estate Investing Club. Today we have with us Jimmy Murray. Jimmy, actually, I did not grab his uh, his bio before we got on the episode, so I'm going to do <laughs> Jimmy the honor of introducing himself. Jimmy, tell us about yourself. I what do you this. do and how did you get started down that path in the first place? I am a millennial house hacker turned corporate dropout. Um, I own a property management company based out of Rhode Island. Um, we manage property between Rhode Island and southeastern Massachusetts over on the East Coast. Um, but I started out house hacking. So I bought my first four-unit property in November 2012, uh, fresh out of college, fresh into a job in the financial industry, had absolutely no idea what I was doing, um, had no idea how good the market was then. I bought a four-unit for 140000 that within six That's months, it. I was able to drive a rent roll of 3800 a month. Oh, um, man. What? That is ridiculous. So, it, yeah. I mean, I tell people now, like, if we had those market conditions, I'd probably sell my left arm, my firstborn, my <laughs> left foot. Like, um, I would finance everything that I own in order to get into real estate because that property now, just for perspective, recently appraised at $330,000. Yeah, for um, sure. It, with only... Uh, 15,000 spent in CapEx over the years that I've owned it. So um, moral of the story is first one was a short sale, um, got it at a great price. And uh, short sale is one of the biggest oxymorons in real estate I've ever heard. (laughs) I've tried a few short sales and I just, I can't, I just couldn't get them down. And it took literally six months to get through that process. And I didn't buy it at the end, but it's just like, wow, why does it take so long? I never understand. This one took seven. So I kept asking my realtor, I'm like, what is going on? And he goes, no, 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 just be patient. Be, I'm like, but there's other deals. He's like, no, 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 this is a good one. Um, and ironically enough, I almost walked away from this deal over $1,000, $1,000. Wow. So we didn't have a home inspection until we received bank approval. So if you aren't familiar with the short sale process, you have to get seller approval and then bank approval. And then once the bank greenlights you um, with that short sale negotiator, then it's, it's really fast paced from there. But it takes a while to get that approval. Um, so we got greenlighted by the bank, had a home inspection. The line into the electrical system was frayed. And I almost walked away from that killer deal over a frayed electrical line, which Oof. now is looking laughable. back. You're like, whoo. Yep. 
Um, but actually both realtors split the thousand dollars and took $500 out of each of their commissions. So, uh, the listing agent didn't have to go back and put it on the market. Oh, wow. Nice. So, so awesome. So you were, you were working nine to five. Um, obviously it did not fit your bill. You needed something else. You decided to, uh, to, to change tracks. You went into real estate. How'd you first get into that, that first fourplex? Like what kind of brought you into the field? Yeah. So, um, I, I read a book last summer and it was called the souls code and it talks about acorn theory. So acorn theory is this idea that we are all born this tiny acorn trying to grow into a giant oak tree, right? Like it. So I, like it. I can remember as young as being in sixth grade, when I had to write a letter to myself when I graduated high school, I'm asking, you know, what stocks am I buying? Am I investing in real estate and which college am I playing baseball for? And I never played baseball in college. I wish I had a, but, um, it was just kind of like in me, like I always wanted to invest in real estate. I grew up following my dad. My dad was a general contractor wow. um, and union carpenter at different points in his career. And uh, he always told me, pick up a book, don't get into the real estate stuff. And I came out of college <laughs> and I just, I mean, it's kind of like that HGTV, HGTV story. I just wanted to flip houses and do cool stuff. Then I realized the financial freedom that could be gained from owning multifamilies. Mm. And uh, even though I didn't really have enough knowledge to probably buy my first one, it was trial by fire and I wouldn't change it for the world. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Those first few deals, that's uh, that's the university when it comes to, to real estate, in my opinion. Um, so you your goal when you first got into this, it was flipping. And then you kind of, you. it sounds like you were going down that path and you realized that it's not what they put on HGTV, which people listening, if you have no. flip, it is not what they see, you see on HGTV. <laughs> There's definitely flipping, money to be made in flips, but it's uh, it can be hard. Flipping houses is a full-time job. You can quote that. Like, If you think it's anything less, then you're probably going to run into some issues. Um, yep. But yeah, it, it is crazy. It, and by the way, the ARV does not go up as you spend more money. <laughs> that, that is not how it works in real life. So whatever they show you, not to hate on flip or flop, but I feel like every time I watch that show, they're like, well, we spent an extra 20 grand. The ARV goes up 50 and that that is just not how it works in real, in yeah, real life. The ARV is the ARV. Once you figure out what that number is, that's the number that you got to pin yourself to because uh, that thing's not going to change. People are not going to want to spend more money based on the location and the condition yep. of the property. Um, so, so that did not fit your bill though. So you went from flips and then you went into multifamily. Um, so do you, right now, do you reposition multifamily or do you just buy, uh, you know, the multifamily that you buy, are they, um, stabilized? Yeah. So that's kind of like my second twisted brain. I'm not a huge fan of turnkey. Um, but we have found a niche in the local market where we find distressed properties, uh, distressed multifamily specifically. And then, um, we aim for the owner occupied borrower. So we'll flip like two to four unit properties into five plus unit properties for the commercial financing um, just because the market's so hot there's a lack of inventory so you really gain that big margin um, we refer to it as the chunker math method but I, I think about it like golf like you drive for show and putt for dough so you flip the you flip the smaller multis and then you take that chunk of money and you you park it in the larger multi Gotcha. That makes sense. That makes sense. So you you market your uh, your marketing is geared towards two to four units. You get those. You get you know you find the shittiest one. You put it in. You you put as much value as you can into it. Make it nice. Sell it off, and then put your ten thirty one into something that's ten plus. Is that right? That's it. That's it. it. So um, honestly, I love buildings with below market rents. Okay, and I yeah. know that sounds crazy, but I'd rather buy a fully occupied building at below market rents than buy a foreclosure. 
I just feel like it, buying a foreclosure, there are so many what ifs and you have to have such a large contingency in your rehab budget versus if you have tenants in there and they're below market, you know that things work, right? So you you know that the waistlines of the house like has to be flushing all the stuff out to the sewer, hopefully. I mean, it's not backing up to the basement, but you know, heating systems work and stoves work to a certain extent that the tenants are at least able to reside there. Yep. Yep. Uh, makes a hundred percent sense to me. Um, so how do you find the property? So you're, you're marketing for single family or, uh, um, small multifamily. How do you go about getting the leads for these, uh, these multifamily properties? Yep. So I actually network with a bunch of local wholesalers. Um, mm. I feel that wholesaling is a very sought after, highly quality skill. Not everybody does it well, but if you can find the guys that do it well and prove that you are a qualified cash buyer that is going to show up, make an offer and close, they're going to be reaching out to you first before they push out those wholesale deals to the broader market. Yep, for sure. That relationship is very uh, symbiotic. I, I, I think it's, you know, the wholesalers, they want somebody who's going to buy and the, the the people who are purchasing the wholesale contracts, you need somebody who is going to bring you an actual deal. I've looked at so many deals that are just a wholesaler that says the ARV is 500 when it's really like 350. And you're like, come on, man, just just put a little effort into this guy. I looked at one this morning and uh I was quoted the ARV of 325 and the ARV was actually 265 based on what I was able to pull. And we had a comp on either block straddling the block that we were on. So yep. um, yeah, always yep. interesting. If you're a wholesaler, it does that. It, 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 it's to your benefit to, to accurately identify the ARV. And that's a, that's always a hard thing. Um, so let's go into that. Let's go into kind of how you do your due diligence. Um, what do you use to, to identify uh, your ARV since we're on that topic already? Yep. So um, I am a licensed realtor. So I use MLS. MLS is going to have the best, most up-to-date comps. Now, the thing to pay attention to is that uh, the stage of the cycle that we're in, it's a bit of a rising tide, right? So if you're looking at buildings that had sold three months ago, there are probably other buildings that have been on the market or under contract that haven't closed yet that are slightly above. So we've been pricing some momentum into our ARVs to not price us out of the market. Because if we're using those three-month-old comps with the low inventory and low interest rates, we know that prices are still continuing to rise a little bit. So we'll put we'll put a little bit of juice in there. Um, Interesting. But you have to know your neighborhoods, right? Yep. So in the suburban areas of Rhode Island, you got to pay attention to you know colonial comparables or ranch comparables and make sure that you know the difference in the price spread because a colonial may sell for $100,000 more with the same bedroom and bath count. Now, there is an urban area in Rhode Island that... Um, Folks purchase a lot of starter homes. It's Pawtucket, Rhode Island. And honestly, the style of house does not drive the ARV. The bedroom and the bathroom count do, but the style isn't going to cause as much of a spread like in the suburban areas. So those are those are some of the things that you really have to pay attention to. Um, but outside of that, always pay attention to square footage, finishes. Those things are really going to help you gain perspective in terms of the rehab that you need to tackle in order to generate that after repair value. Yep, yep, for sure. Um, yeah, it, knowing your area is, uh, is very, it's a, it's a lesson that I kind of learned cause I tried to do national. Um, I mar- started marketing nationally and just started doing, you know, wholesales and flips nationally. And I realized that it's not, you know, it's good to buy, buy and holds nationally in my yeah. opinion, but, um, but doing everything else is, is very difficult because you really do, you need to know the market. You have to have boots on the ground and you can't do that in every city of the United States. So it's absolutely uh, right. right that you said, know your area. Um, you've mentioned the market a few times. So what, where do you see the market going, you know, 
in the next, it's really hard to say the next, how about six, how about a year, the next year, where do you see the market going? At some point, the bottom has to fall out. Now, the the headwind, or I would say the, the kind of buffer that we have from the bottom falling out of the market are really soft monetary, monetary policies, um, access to capital and low interest rates. And I'm going to add in low inventory. Um, there's a ton of money out there. The Fed can t- continues to keep rates low, even though they keep telling us that they're going to raise and where they have some plan to increase interest rates. And then there's literally just no inventory. But there are still a lot of buyers out there. And I think one of the unseen um, factors that COVID had caused is a lot of people are looking to upgrade. So if people have retained their income, if they have a W-2 job that they can work from home, now they're looking for maybe not that three-bedroom house that they're in, but maybe a three-bedroom with area for an office in the basement or whatever it may be. So I think there's really that upgrade play, but there's not the inventory coming onto the market in order for those folks to kind of upgrade a bit. So I think that's um, the tailwind that we're facing that keep, continues to push the market up. That makes sense. I, I, I haven't made that, uh, that connection, but it makes, makes a lot of sense. I mean, people, we, especially now that so many people are, you know, they're working from home and they're realizing like, I need an actual office. I can't work in our bedroom. I can't work in a yeah. kitchen. Like, I need I need another room that's an office that I can sit and be completely quiet. So I was doing that um, for a while, working out at the kitchen, and that was not, <laughs> not good for my waistline. So I quickly made my way back to the office, and my team figured out I was here. So, <laughs> but yes, <laughs> I'm with you. Yep, yep. My uh, uh, one of my good friends, um, he made an office in his garage, and it's like better than oh. his than any office I've worked at uh, in an actual office building. I'm like, dude, you did this right. Good job. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> so uh so you think in the within a year do you think the bottom is going to start to fall out of the market or or you think that's a little bit farther out yeah i think it can i think that there are structural changes or um I'll say like structural impairments to the economy that we don't fully understand yet because of covid um i know that our our medical workers are working incredibly hard but like um uh, for instance, our, our property management company has a client um, that's based out of Philadelphia, and he's a neurosurgeon. And uh, his caseload has uh, essentially been decimated. So he's only taken on about 10% of the cases that he did. So a lot of the standard like neurosurgeries that he was tackling have been pushed off. So mm-hmm. I think that that and, and those are kind of higher end incomes, right, with doctors and medical professionals. Um, but I think that there's just a lot of structural changes that have occurred that we haven't seen yet and kind of yeah. aren't priced into the current market. And I think that when you start bringing all these things together, I think that the market could very quickly correct. Yep. Yeah. I, that's what I see. And I, it's uh, it's difficult to, to know what it, like we were talking about ARV. It's difficult to know what an ARV is when you, when there's so, such uncertainty in the market. Um, I mean, we're right now we're doing a lot of mobile home and RV parks and that those yep. tend to be a little bit more stable over the course of time. But um, I mean, if you're looking at single family, Multifamily, I feel like, is a little bit more stable, but still, there's that there's that question of you know what is going to happen over the next year, but nobody knows. So we will see when that uh, when it actually happens. Just <laughs> just hold it, hold on the sidelines, see, uh, wait and see what happens. Um, so you've already gone over how you actually get the properties. You market with uh, with wholesalers, and that's the that's the best way that you do that. And there, everything that you do is value add, correct? You don't buy any stabilization. No, that's that's not where my interest is. I do have some clients that buy turnkey stuff, but um, that's I'm I'm in wealth generating mode, right? So I'm trying to figure out how to really drive that value. 
because I've got access to the deals up front. We've got a great maintenance staff here that tackles most of our flips. And then it really gains the momentum on the back end. Makes sense. And how do you go about um, financing these deals? Are they all, it sounds like you're rolling over uh, money from the sales of the, of the smaller properties into the bigger properties. Do you, are they all financed? Do you do seller financing? Um, how do you go about financing that stuff? So the best part here is I've taken down eight um, flips this year. And I've used nice. $0, $0 of my own money. On nice. Any of them. Um, it. So it's been a mix of, uh, so I talk about hard money and private money. And people are like, that. hold on, that's the same. In my world, it's not. Because private money, you have a relationship. Hard money could be any Tom, Dick, or Harry off the street. That is, it's strictly asset-based lending. Um, but I've actually worked with five different hard money lenders. But what I'll do is I have a hard money lender that'll finance a hundred percent of purchases and hundred percent of rehab. That is, that is wow. not normal. Um, but great. it is at a rate of 12 and two. Then I'll bring in a, a second money partner where I'll split 50% of the equity on the back end of the deal, as long as they cover the carrying costs throughout the project. So that's how I'm funding 50% these percent of the equity. Okay. On the back so, end, as long as they cover the carrying costs. Yep. That makes sense. So you're into these deals with nothing. And what Literally. you're bringing to the table is you're, you're the operator. You do the deal, you, you execute it. Um, so do they have any input into it once it's one, you know, once you're in there or is it a hundred percent, you know, you're just, you're, you know, deciding, making all decisions until, until it sells. That's it. Making all decisions until it sells. So um, they provide the financing and I, I take care of the rest. Awesome. I love it. Well, hey, we are 15 minutes into the show, and that means that we need to push into the quick question round. So we always start out with books. You've already mentioned a book in the beginning, Soul Code, but I always ask two book recommendations. One, your favorite book for real estate, and then one for general life wisdom. Ah, the second one's got me. I am an avid reader, so I'm going to have to think about the second one when I, when I tell you about the first one. So for real estate investors, and I think that this is going to be a new one, I surprise a lot of people. It is called The Wealthy Gardener. The Wealthy Gardener is about 480 pages, and it's filled with life stories about this gentleman who owns, I believe it's a a vineyard, Um, but it is, it it brings together like a a bunch of the top finance books that I've ever read, but kind of, you know, in succinct story fashion, but The Wealthy Gardener is the name of the book. In terms of just life stuff, um, that's a really good one. I would say more, well, I guess this is kind of business too. I'm trying to think of the name. I'm spacing, so I'll go with the other one. I like the 48 Laws of Power. Okay, I think yeah. that, that, that that's good life Green, stuff Robert too. Green. That's it. Yep, that's it. That, all of his books, Robert Greene, all of his books are really uh, are really well written. I feel like he has a, he's, he's a very logical mind. I like it. And Sorry, not I, the just, first... I just remember the one that I really wanted to say. Right. The, knight, the Knight in Rusty Armor. That is the one rusty armor. It is about 70 pages. My dad found it and it's about having balance in life. And I read that book one time per year. Sorry, I blanked out that one up front, but the knight in rusty armor is a solid one as well. Perfect. That sounds like something I wouldn't, I'm going to have to pick up. And uh, you're not the first person to say wealthy gardener. I've, I've had that recommended before. I I love uh, that. I do want to pick it up. Uh, You know, I love stories that, um, that give wisdom, or I love books that give wisdom in story form, um, like uh, the Peaceful Warrior. The, the Way of the Peaceful Warrior is one of my favorite like story books that really has good content. I love that 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 mode of uh, of transference there. So I'm definitely gonna have to grab that one. Good stuff. Um, 
On to the next question, and this one is for your younger self. So if you could go back to the Jimmy who knew nothing about real estate, you know, was just getting out of college, high school, whatever it is, go up to him, grab him, you know, grab his hand, shake him, look him in the eye, say, give him one piece of advice moving forward. Yeah, buy as much real estate as you can in 2010 <laughs> when you graduate <laughs> college. Um, yeah, and then the other piece is just take as much, much action as you can. You know, wake up every day and, and chase your dream. That's a big one. Action. I love it. All right. And uh, I mean, it sounds like you're pretty local over there in Rhode Island, but um, what is an area that you are very excited about right now to invest? Yeah. So I like Fall River, Massachusetts. I think it's an emerging market. Um, they're, they're in 2024, they're going to have the train coming down from Boston. So Fall River has always been considered um, kind of a low rent provider in terms of rents have always been very low. Um, and honestly, the landlords there don't really produce a quality product. So we've seen clients that have gone in, produced a quality rent ready product. And I'm, I'm talking like laminate countertops, paint and refinishing hardwoods, <laughs> like simple stuff yeah. and attract very quality tenants to, to drive that, um, that terminal value on the multifamily property. So I like Fall River, Massachusetts. Perfect. All you East Coast friends out there, Fall River, Mass. I like that. Um, and then this next question is an opportunity for you to flex your muscles, um, brag a little bit. What are you at? What's your superpower? What are you absolutely amazing at? Yeah, I would say hard work, man. I am just a workhorse. Um, I just wake up and, and just push as hard as I can every day to continue in, to chase my dreams. Um, Conor McGregor's got a quote that he says it's something to the extent of, you know, talent does not exist here. It's just hard work. And, and that's how I feel. You got to work really hard every day to, to generate your own luck. I love it. I love it. Well, Hey, Jimmy. Oh, actually last question. Almost skipped it. Um, you've given us a lot of great advice uh, about real estate, about life in general. So I'm sure there's people out there who want to reach out, say hi, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah. Best way is on Instagram. Uh, folks can follow me at the notorious CFK. The Notorious CFK, and I will put that in the show notes. So if you click the little more in the description, it'll pop down the full description in there. You can find uh, all the contact info for Jimmy if you want to reach out and say hi. So again, Jimmy, thank you for, for hopping on the show. I had a blast talking to you. Awesome. Thanks. Absolutely. For everybody who's here with us today, thank you guys for showing up. We couldn't do this without you. You're the reason we're here. So thanks for being here. Again, the best way to support the show is just to subscribe, like, share this episode with your friends and family. Other than that, hope you guys have an absolutely fantastic day. Keep rocking real estate, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Real Estate Investing Club. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode and were able to pull some actionable advice that you can go home with and apply to your own investing business. Before you go, I have a gift for you. If you're a new investor looking to get started or an established investor looking to take your business to the next level, I've created an ebook just for you available on the website. This ebook will cover how I was able to create both active and passive income in real estate with very little money to start with. In it, I will address the three most often cited obstacles new and veteran investors run into by showing you how to find a deal that's actually a deal, how to finance that deal with little to no money down, and how to exit a deal for maximum value. 
And if you get the ebook today, I'm going to bury you in bonuses, seven of them to be exact. First, you'll get the off-market lead generation blueprint, which will take you through the exact systems processes we use to generate off-market leads like clockwork, which is the most important skill when it comes to creating real wealth in real estate. Then you'll get the A to Z REI systems and vendors guide, which will allow you to peek under the hood of our business and see the exact tools and systems and even the vendors we use to grow our business. After that, you will get the top 100 best performing keywords pack, which will give you the exact keywords we use to target leads online and generate leads without having to lift a finger. Next, you'll get the contracts bundle for wholesaling and renting real estate, which will give you access to all of the contracts we use in the field to execute all types of transactions. After that, you'll get the investor's quick analysis calculator and offer tool, which will allow you to quickly calculate whether a deal is an actual deal and will allow you to create an offer automatically from those calculations. Next up, we'll give you the Investor's Daily Success Tracker, which is a tracker you can use to ensure you are taking the right actions day in and day out to reach your financial goals in real estate. And finally, you will get the Wholesaler's Template for Quick Assignment Cash, which will give you the templates we use to present our wholesale deals professionally and efficiently to our buyers. I know that is a ton of things to say. I'm glad you were able to stick with it. Uh, so you'll get both the ebook and all of those seven free bonuses when you download the ebook today. All we charge is the admin cost to run the show. So if you are interested in the ebook and the bonus bundle, head on over to the website at therealestateinvestingclub.com. Click on get the ebook bundle at the top of the page and take advantage of that deal. With that housekeeping item covered, I hope you have an absolutely fantastic day and even better week. Keep rocking real estate, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. All right, before I officially sign off, I have a quick announcement to make. If you're interested in becoming a passive investor in one of my deals, my own company, Kaizen Properties, is looking for capital partners for our upcoming projects. We invest in what are known as recession-resistant assets, mainly self-storage facilities, mobile home and RV parks, and industrial properties. If you're interested in investing and would like to learn a little bit more about my company, our investing criteria, and some of the previous projects we've done, Go to the Real Estate Investing Club podcast at therealestateinvestingclub.com and scroll all the way down to the bottom of the page. Click on the Invest With Us button. That'll pop up the investor form. Fill that out and we will reach back out to you as soon as we can. Or if you prefer a little bit more of a personal touch, you can reach out to me at gabe at therealestateinvestingclub.com. So really, that is it. Again, it was a pleasure hanging out with you guys during this episode, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode.